ओम the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, specifically Rupa Raghunath, and in this way attaining entrance into the highest perfection service, namely service of Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan. I'd like to read and then speak upon Srila Prabhupada's translation and purport to the great Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, Adi Leela Chapter 7, Text 42. Murka Shanyashi Nidja Dharma Nahijane Bhavuk Hoya Fere Bhavuk Erashane. This is a comment by Prakashananda Saraswati. He says, commenting about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an illiterate sannyasi and therefore does not know his real function. Guided only by his sentiments, he wanders about in the company of other sentimentalists. Purport, foolish mayavadis not knowing that the Krishna consciousness movement is based on a solid philosophy of transcendental science, superficially conclude that those who dance and chant do not have philosophical knowledge. Those who are Krishna conscious actually have full knowledge of the essence of Vedanta philosophy, for they study the real commentary on the Vedanta philosophy, Srimad Bhagavatam and follow the actual words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead as found in Bhagavad Gita as it is. After understanding the Bhagavad philosophy or Bhagavad Dharma, they become fully spiritually conscious or Krishna conscious and therefore their chanting and dancing is not material but is on the spiritual platform. Although everyone admires the ecstatic chanting and dancing of the devotees who are therefore popularly known as the Hare Krishna people. Mayavadis cannot appreciate these activities because of their poor fund of knowledge. Murka Sanyasi Nidja Dharma Nahijane Bhavu Kera Shane Fere Bhavu Kera Shane Bhavu Khoya Fere Bhavu Kera Shane this is not an authoritative statement about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. An authoritative statement is Yadvaitam Brahma Panashaditata Pyasya Tanubha Yaatman Tayami Purusha Itiso Sangsavibhabha Shadaishvarya Purna Yaiha Bhagavan Saswayamayam Nachaitanyat Krishna Jagati Paratatvam Paramiha That the effulgence 
of the impersonal Brahman. That is the bodily luster of he. The local, the Paramatma present in everyone's heart is he. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead replete with all opulences. There is no truth higher than him. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This statement, which we just read, is from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. But it's the statement of a Murakha Sanyasi, a foolish Sanyasi who thought himself very learned and who criticized Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Murakha Sanyasi, as a foolish Sanyasi. So sometimes we see this in Bhagavatam. We see Hiranyakashipu speak badly of Prahlad, Indradev speak badly of Krishna. These statements are recorded, of course, in uh, in many cases the Acharyas, they analyze how these words, although spake, spoken out of hatred of the Supreme Lord and His devotees, can be understood to be indirectly inspired by Saraswati and they can be interpreted in another way so that it can be taken as praise of the Supreme Lord. But definitely Prakashananda said, do you want to put these books away so you don't have to hold them throughout the whole session? Yeah. So Prakashananda Saraswati was a Mayavadi. A Mayavadi is one who considers that everything is one and everything is non-different from everything else. Therefore, there's no difference between Maya, illusion, and the truth. And therefore, even Krishna is Maya. That's a simplification of a very complex philosophy. It has to be complex because it doesn't make any sense. So you have to build a big facade of philosophical word jugglery to try to present that which is not true as actually true. So anyway, um, Mayavadis, there are long-standing sampradaya or group of supposed spiritualists in India whose influence and related philosophies are present throughout the world uh, in the form of, in much of Asia, in the form of Buddhism, which is even more extreme, more even more extremely negative than Mayavad, which says that there's, Mayavad says there's no personality, there's no emotions, there's no love, there's no feelings, there's no anything except one thing. And that one thing is indefinable. So the Buddhists and the Jains, they go a step further and say, there's, there's no feelings, there's no emotions, there's no personality, there's no people, there's no anything finished. There's no except. 
There's, there's no indefinable because there's nothing to be non-defined. So these uh, philosophies also have their representatives in mainstream Islam denies the personality of Godhead. There's influences there and in <coughs> many strains of modern Christianity and in uh, general hippie life the saying such as be here now all is one this is a kind of neo-mayavada that no name should be given to it the ineffable the indescribable so anyway Prakashananda Saraswati was a mayavadi traditional mayavadi who, unlike the modern <coughs> hippies and their descendants, hippie was a phenomena, phenomena from about the, the, about say about 1963 to the mid 70s, and their descendants live on today. Their way of life is profligate. They don't. They're, they're dedicated to non-conformity. So non-conformity in the 1960s meant for men to have long hair and not do any job except maybe picking apples in the summer and uh, taking drugs. But then they all and wearing bright clothes, but. The idea was to non-conform, but they all non-conformed in the same way. So then they conformed to another pattern of living. So they just went from one kind of conformity to another. They all non-conformed in the same way. So hippie life is sworn to non-conformity, but... The traditional Mayavadis are very strict. They strictly follow rules and regulations and they study Vedanta. Followers of Shankara, people who say that they follow the Advaitavad of Shankaracharya, which is in Gorya Vaishnava circles, as stated in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita and other old Gorya literatures. The term Mayavad is a term which outside Gorya circles is generally called Advaitavad. In India it's better known as Advaitavad. Kevala Advaitavad to distinguish from others such as Shuddha Advaitavad or Vishishta Advaitavad which were actually the last two mentioned, were actually Vaishnava philosophies. But Kevala Advaitavad of Shankaracharya, those who call themselves his followers, should know that, according to Shankaracharya himself, to, to the qualification to practice this Advaitavad, or to, uh, to actually adhere to that, is to be a sannyasi. He didn't, or rather he recommended for people in general that they should follow 
Varnashram, as he misunderstood it, according to birth. And um, Bhakti, for those who come to the higher level of Gyan, they should be, if you know, if you and if you have knowledge, what is that knowledge? Sarvankalvitam, uh, no, Brahma Satyam Idam, Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya, that reality is spiritual and the world as we perceive it all around us is false. So if you have this knowledge that everything is false, then you should just give it all up. So you can actually practice that if you practice believing in this, if you're a sannyasi. But then to be a sannyasi, you have to be born in a Brahmin family. Because although everything in this world is false, the Brahminas are high class false and the everyone else is low class false, I suppose. That's the implication of that. So, those who say they're followers of Shankara Acharya, of his, everything is, of course, later on, <clears throat> this, uh, some fish-eating, illiterate, Bengali, so-called Brahmin, made this available to everyone by his jingles, such as Jatomat, Totopat. All the paths are the same. Whatever you think, it's all the same. And this became Neo-Advaitavad, in which you just imagine yourself to be one with everything. But the original followers of Shankaracharya, the sannyasis, they were very strict in their practices because the idea is sannyas, we have to reject everything. We reject it. Everything in this world is material, so we, we reject everything. And they would perform severe austerities and become highly learned in Vedanta. <coughs> Studying Vedanta. And uh, according to the uh, explications, which are not actually explications, the obfuscations of Shankaracharya. You know what these words means? Explication means to make it clear. And obfuscation means to cover it up, to make it unclear. <clears throat> so the, uh, the followers of Shankaracharya, the sannyasis, they as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, as Prakashananda Saraswati said that Bhavuka, uh, he's talking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Bhavuka Sanyashi Nidja Dharma Nahijan. He's a Bhavuk Sanyasi, an emotional Sanyasi. In Prakashananda Saraswati's misconception, a Sanyasi should not be emotional. He should be detached from everything. So he was saying that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he doesn't know what is the dharma or the proper activity of a sannyasi, which uh, he described, I think it's the next verse, Vedanta Patan Dhyan Shamnashira Karma. A sannyasi is meant to study Vedanta, and meditate. 
And meditation means not this, uh, as it's commonly understood in the modern age, you you do a little imitation pranayam and and uh, so-called meditation, then drink a strong cup of coffee and go off to work. <laughs> this is not meditation. But meditation means that that's accompanied by severe austerities. So the, the Mayavadi sannyasis of Varanasi, where this incident was taking place, they were the predominant community there. As even today, Varanasi is dominated by, or, or, or the religious orientation of Varanasi is dominated by Mayavadis and also Smartavad, which is the we can it, the Smartavad is the servant of Mayavad. It, it, the Smartavad leads into Mayavad. They're, they're intricately connected. For those who are in Shankaracharya's conception of a lower adhika or eligibility, the householders, they follow Smartavad, and then when they come to a higher level, they take sannyas and become full-fledged Advaitavadis. So Smartavad is very prominent there, and people go there to die, because with the belief that one who dies in Kashi will get liberated. The belief is according to Shastra. It's the most prominent and well-known of the Moksha Puris. That means if you die there, you get liberated. Of course, devotees are not interested in liberation, but those who are interested in liberation, they go to Varanasi to die. And it works. Because those who die there, they get liberated. Lord Shiva, who is... Vishveshva, Vishvanath, the predominating deity of Kashi, he comes to someone who's dying in Varanasi and says in their ear, Rama, Rama, Rama. And by hearing the name of Rama, they get liberated. Lord Shiva himself has no power to liberate, but by saying the name of Rama, they become liberated. So, Prakashananda Saraswati was the at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was the head of the Mayavadis. There were 60,000 sannyasis under him. He was the chief. He was the chief sannyasi there. And he was criticizing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas for the sake of preaching. He doesn't need to take sannyas. He's he is the object of worship by all sannyasis and by every sane person within the universe. So not too numerous because this universe is the place of the insane, those who have turned away from Krishna. But those who are sane, they worship Krishna. And a devotee, uh, especially a high-level devotee, is known as Paramahamsa. He's beyond the four varnas and the four ashrams. He may superficially act as a 
Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Brahmachari, Grihasta, Vandaprastra, Sanyasi. But he's not bound by the rules of the Varnashram institution because he's already situated in his constitutional position of service to Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas because people were not listening to his message and they were disrespecting him. He, Prakashananda Saraswati criticized Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as being a bhavuk, a sentimentalist. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas because people were criticizing him as a sentimentalist. He was chanting, Gopi, Gopi, Gopi. And people were criticizing, why is he chanting, Gopi, Gopi, Gopi? What is this nonsense? So not appreciating his bhav or his sentiments, they criticized him. And therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted, yes, it's time to move in. As I said before, I can see the future. <laughs> you don't believe me. So his he took sannyas because people were criticizing him as a sentimentalist and they didn't because of this criticism they couldn't hear his message. They couldn't understand his message. So that's why he took sannyas. And in the position of a sannyasi, he preached Prem Dharma, or the Dharma, this uh, Prakashananda, he said, Murka sannyasi nirja dharma nahijane. He's a foolish sannyasi, he doesn't know what his own dharma is. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu knew very well that the dharma of every living being is Jivesuru Poi Krishna Nirtadas. The dharma of every living being is to serve Krishna. That is the dharma, that which transcends sannyas dharma or any other dharma. Everyone is constitutionally loving Krishna. So to demonstrate that, to preach that, not just by speaking philosophy, but by, by living that, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu preached the Sankirtan movement by chanting and dancing. But this was a shock to the Mayavadi sannyasis of Varanasi. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas and after doing so, all the people who previously criticized him, they praised him. That, you see, he's a great person, he took sannyas. Taking sannyas was considered a very great step that one has to give up all the things that people desire in this world and fully dedicate oneself for spiritual upliftment. So in a spiritually oriented culture, as India was until recently, and is still to some extent, taking sannyas was highly respected. So they took seriously what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had to say. And the people who had been criticizing him, they uh, surrendered to him and recognized him. And wherever he went, people took him very seriously. He's a sannyasi. 
We have to respect what he says and does. Of course, even just by seeing him, so many people were attracted to his beautiful golden form and his chanting and dancing. Uh, but those who would not, many of those who would have not listened to him previously, those who were the scholarly community, the brahmanas, they also listened to him and he discussed with them on the basis of philosophy. That this is this chanting and dancing is not just some sentiment as more philosophically inclined people may have thought. But it actually has, as Prabhupada says in the purport, a solid philosophical basis. And in fact, all philosophy ultimately leads to chanting and dancing. Chanting the names of Krishna and dancing. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is dancing. Krishna is dancing. Everyone is dancing. Either we're dancing to Krishna's, the tune of Krishna's flute, or we're dancing to the tune of Maya. Everyone is dancing. The famous philosopher, or what passes as a philosopher in the Western world, where there's no real philosophy, actually. There's nothing systematic or nothing. It's all speculation. They have no real idea what they're talking about. So one philosopher, uh, who is also known as a madman, and there's no difference between philosopher and madman, so uh, Nietzsche, he sarcastically said, I would believe in God if he danced. Because the concept of God in the Western world is of some angry old man sitting on a cloud punishing people below <coughs> with a long beard and lots of wrinkles and long hair like an old angry hippie or something. So, not a very nice fellow. Not, this, not the sort of guy you'd like to get too close to. I shall smite him ad infinitum. Signed God. That's another one of Nietzsche saying, God is dead. Signed Nietzsche. So this was written graffiti on a wall. Someone else can put some other graffiti. Because Nietzsche was in the 19th century. Nietzsche is dead. Signed God. He, d- he died by the grace of God. So he said that, I would believe in God if he danced, but that's all he does. But Nietzsche could never imagine. Nor could the Catholic or the Protestants or any Christians with their stereotyped concepts of God imagine that he dances. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was dancing and this attracted the common people. For those who are more philosophical, they thought, well, this dancing is below us. We're, we're philosophers and you know, we're very high class and we're intellectuals. We're, we're not going to dance in public. Wouldn't, wouldn't be seen dead. Wouldn't even come back as a zombie to do that. So for them, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu discussed philosophy. And we find when he went to Puri, Sarvabhom Bhattacharya proposed to teach Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Vedanta philosophy because he saw he's a young man, he took sannyas, and he's very beautiful, and it would be difficult for him to maintain renunciation if he's not fixed in philosophical understanding because he's, you know, he's good-looking, he's young, and 
So how is he going to maintain his principles? So, Sarvabhom Bhattacharya spoke philosophy to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He agreed, yes, yes, I listen to what you say. So he listened for seven days. And Sarvabhom Bhattacharya said, well, I see you're listening very attentively, but I don't know if you're understanding or not, because you don't say anything. You don't ask any questions, you don't have any comments. So, I, I don't understand whether you say, how you can understand. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied that, yes, actually I understand Vedanta very well, but I don't understand anything you're saying, because nothing to do with Vedanta, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so he challenged it, and then the, then the discussion began. And in the end, Sarvabhoma had to admit that, actually my understanding of Vedanta was all wrong, and the real understanding is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is himself the object of knowledge in Vedanta. And so he joined Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, chanting and dancing. This news came to Prakashananda, Saraswati, that the great stalwart Mayavadi, Sabha, or teacher of Mayavadi, because he was a householder, but he used to teach sannyasis. So he was a, he was a big hero in the Mayavad camp. He was, uh, he was heroically false. He was a, a, a hero of falsity. Everything is false in this world, according to them. So this was not very pleasing news to Prakashananda Saraswati. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he delivered so many people, but they all drowned in the ocean of transcendental bliss. But the Mayavadis of Varanasi, they remained untouched by the bliss of love of Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went there to deliver them. His mission was to deliver everyone in the universe. But the Mayavadis of Varanasi, they remained impervious to his love. And even though practically the whole city of Varanasi was following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in chanting and dancing, the Mayavadis remained <coughs> stiff and they criticized. Why are you following this? He's just, he's just a sentimentalist. That's not high class. What is it? All these, what's a sannyasi doing? He's running around the streets with all these low class people singing and dancing and jumping. That's not sannyas. Sannyas means very respectable. What's he doing? And why doesn't he associate with, with us? He's come to Varanasi. This is a holy place. It's the, the most holy place of all the, the Mayavadis. And we are here. We are the Mayavadi sannyasis. I'm the senior here. And he's just a young sannyasi. He should come and offer his respects to me. But he's avoiding us. He doesn't come. So he was criticizing is sentimentalist. Because Mayavadis, they renounce the world, they renounce possessions, home, family, and especially they want to renounce, renounce all relationships and feelings because they can see correctly that mundane relationships bind us in this material world. 
So they want to become aloof. So they become very stiff. Their idea is to become hardened. That they have no... They should become feelingless. They should have no... Fe- Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says that... that uh, well, there are so many verses. Sukhe, uh, dukhe. In, in happiness and distress. Tata maana pamana yoho. One should... One should be equipoised in happiness and distress, whether one is honoured or dishonoured. One should be completely aloof from everything. If your hand is in the fire, you should just be completely aloof. Or if someone gives you nice food or not nice food or no food, you should be completely aloof from everything, not not elated, not distressed. So this is the Mayavadi's idea of perfection. Just like a stone should be. Not affected by anything. So to be fixed in that, one should not associate with anything of this world. One should simply meditate on the teachings of Vedanta and and, and lead a strict life of austerities. Don't indulge in any sense gratification. And in this way, one can become completely detached from the world. This is the Mayavad concept of sannyas. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas for a completely different reason. To preach not so much that this this world is all, everything here is false, that's there to some extent, but again, not in the way the Mayavadis understand it. This world is false in as much as everything here is temporary and relationships here are false but reality is Krishna and Krishna is Rasamai Akhila Rasamurti He is the very form of all Rasa which is not a word translatable in English Srila Bhaktis Dhanasar Thakur is translated as Melo it means that uh, wonderful feeling which comes out of different exchanges, that which is produced from loving exchanges. So the Mayavadis, they reject this because they, re- they reject any feelings because they, they see that that entangles us in the material world. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught that feelings for Krishna that is real, that is to be cultivated, and if we develop our feelings for Krishna, then that will automatically uh, release us from our attachments to this material world. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was strict in observing sannyas, as the Mayavadis were, in many of the principles, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very strict. He was very strict in uh, not mixing with women. Uh, there are many instances described that once he heard very sweet singing of Gita Govinda and hearing this beautiful song of Radha, about Radha and Krishna, 
he ran towards the person who, who was singing it, thinking, I will embrace that person. They're singing so sweetly. And he was, he was so enraptured by this singing that he was running through uh, a place with all thorn trees and his body was getting cut. He didn't notice that at all. But his servant, Govinda, chased after him and caught him and said, Don't go, that's a woman singing. Don't embrace a woman. And hearing the word woman, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to external consciousness and said, You have saved my life. If I had embraced a woman, I would have had to die. So he was very strict. Um, there are many instances. His, his followers, they wanted to give him a soft bed to sleep on. But he refused. He said, no, I'm a sannyasi. I can't accept all these things. So he was very strict in observing sannyas so as not to become a laughing stock in the eyes of the public or to make people think that he was some kind of tantric sannyasi. Who, the tantrics, they also wear red cloth but their sadhana is abominable. That's panchama, five mas. That means, what is that? Mada, Matsya, Mangsa, Mahila, and Malmutra. These are the five things. That, that means they, uh, Matsya, Mangs, they, they eat fish and meat. And Mahila, they enjoy women. Then uh, Madhya, I didn't say wine. And Malmutra means they ingest stool and urine. It's all part of their sadhana. The idea is that they can do all these things and they'll still remain unaffected and then they're liberated. It's a strange idea. Not recommended. <laughs> Left wing tantra. Vamya tantra. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't want to be misunderstood. He didn't. He maintained his sannyas dharma very strictly, but at the same time, his sannyas was not meant to become hard and feelingless like the Mayavadis. But rather, his sannyas was to fully cultivate the intense feelings for Krishna. That is the very meaning of the name he adopted, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, which means Krishna consciousness. Krishna Chaitanya, he is Krishna consciousness. So unlike the Mayavadis who want to, they take sannyas to become feeling less, which is actually unnatural. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu being overwhelmed with feelings for Krishna, wanted to uh, go searching for Krishna and to bring Krishna to the world. Now, when he took sannyas, the devotees in Navadvip, they became distraught that now we lost our nimai. Nimai, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in his youth, was known as Nimai. 
in the early part of his life he seemed to be like a proud scholar. He would argue with others. That was a popular spot that the pundits, those who are knowledgeable in Sanskrit, they would argue with each other on the basis of grammar and different propositions and one would defeat another. So Chaitanya Mahabharu would defeat all the others and he appeared to be like a proud pundit. But after returning from Gaya, where he was in, he, after, on a visit to Gaya, he was initiated in Vaishnav Mantra by Srila Ishwara Puri and he became intoxicated, it, it seemed, with love of Krishna. So then he was singing and dancing and sometimes he would he asked Gadadha, his lifelong friend, where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? I want to find Krishna. I want tell me where is Krishna? Gadadha Krishna is in your heart. So then he was tearing his he wanted to rip his skin. Yes, I want to find Krishna. Gadadha Pasva and said, Don't worry, Krishna will come very soon. So like this. He was as if insane. Sometimes the mundane scholars, they analyze with all their high intelligence, as they consider it, or foolishness as it actually is, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was insane. Or he was an epileptic. He would collapse and fall on the ground. So they say he's an epileptic. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was mad with love of God and his followers in Navadvip, they were enjoying being with him, singing and dancing, day and night, in love of Krishna. But then some Brahmin boys, they criticized him and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw that these people, they're not listening to my message. And he thought, I have to go out in the world and find Krishna. And he, you know, it's time for him to go out and preach Krishna consciousness to the world. So he accepted sannyas. He left home and accepted sannyas. Leaving behind his widowed mother, his young wife, Vishnu Priya and all the devotees and they were they were completely upset they said, because generally when one takes sannyas when one takes sannyas you don't hear about him anymore when one takes sannyas he's considered civilly dead he doesn't have any more relationship with his family or friends he never goes back to his home So they were very upset, just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's elder brother, Vishwarup, had left home and took sannyas. And he was never heard of again. No one in Navadvip ever heard of where he'd gone, what he did, nothing. He just, one day he was gone and they, they understood he'd, gone, he'd taken sannyas and they never got any more information. They thought... Well, we lost Nehemiah. He's gone. 
we'll never see him again. But uh, when he took sannyas, few devotees from Navadvip went with him from Navadvip. Among them, Nityananda Prabhu. So, by trickery, Nityananda Prabhu led the new sannyasi, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, to the house of Advaita Acharya, which is not very far from... Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went north um, to take sannyas, north of Navadipa, Katwa. And then after taking sannyas for four days, he was wandering around, four days and nights, just wandering in madness, where is Vrindavan, where is Vrindavan? And eventually Advaita Acharya led him to the bank of the Ganga at Kalna, which is south of Navadip, and then brought him over the river to the house of Advaita Acharya at Shantipur. And it had been arranged that all the devotees from Navadvip came to meet him there. So they they saw him again after taking sannyas. And they're very sorry to see his beautiful long hair had been shaved. And they thought, well, at least we're, we're having the opportunity to see you one more time. But they were not hopeful of seeing him ever again. However, some compromise was made and he agreed to make... He agreed... To, he said to his mother that even though I took sannyas, I can never forget you. Now, this, a sannyasi should never say such a thing according to the Mayavad conception. Sannyasi shouldn't even see or speak to his mother and he wants to forget her. Of course, Shankarachari himself, when he took sannyas at the age of eight, his mother was also widowed, widowed and she said, well, uh, then who will perform my funeral rites. There's no one else. Who will do that? So he said, well, I'll come. When, when the time is, I, I have to go out in the world now, but when necessary, I'll come. So he did when she died. He came and performed her funeral rites, which a sannyasi is not meant to do. So according to strict rules of scripture, so none of the local priests cooperated with him. So instead of doing it on the bank of a river, he did it in the in the yard of his home. He did the funeral rites there. So in Kerala today, they do that also. Just in the home, they do the burning. So anyway... Mm, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I took sannyas, but I can never forget you. But I can't go home. She didn't want him to go home. She, of course she wanted, but she didn't want, because she knew that if after taking sannyas he comes home again, then people will criticize him like anything. So now he's taking sannyas, he has to follow that. But she said, don't go away like Vishwarup did. At least you, you make your base in some place where at least I can get some news of you. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made his base in Puri, which is quite a long way from Bengal, in the south of what's 
It's presently in the south of Orissa. At that time also, Utkal, Kalinga. So, uh, even at that time, it was very common that people would go from Bengal to Puri for pilgrimage. In those days, by walking. So, she said that, well, if you stay in Puri, I can get news of you at least. So, he made his base in Puri. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he, we, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, even after he took sannyas, that he was, on the one hand, he was following strictly the rules of sannyas, being very austere. But at the same time, he was uh, cultivating ex- very wonderful loving relationships with his devotees. Not by reading books on, you know, like Stephen Covey and all this kind of thing, but on the basis of Krishna consciousness. Not on the basis of all these superficial I'm okay, you're okay, how to win friends and exploit people. Not on the basis of all the... Not this worldly, be nice, smile and stab others in the back. But real relationships with Krishna in the center. Real love means there must be Krishna in the center. We need a... Oh, she's got a chair. Okay. Real love means... There's no possibility of love without Krishna. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is overflowing with love of Krishna. And his devotees are overflowing with love of Krishna. So the real love is there because they're all loving Krishna. Their activities are based on Krishna, singing about Krishna, dancing, discussing Krishna, going to the temple of Krishna preaching about Krishna, taking Krishna prasad, everything Krishna, 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 Krishna. This is Krishna Chaitanya. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas is to become a bhavuk, is to become, in well, in Prakashananda Saraswati's conception, that is a sentimentalist. And actually devotees are sentimentalists in the sense that bhakti means bhav. There's no bhakti without bhav. Bhakti means that one's feelings for Krishna are developed. Mm. It's So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas, even though superficially he took sannyas in the Shankara Sampradaya as a disciple of Kesha Bharati. Bharati is a, one of the Dash, Dashanama, the ten names given to sannyasis in the Shankara Sampradaya. What is that? Puri, Tirtha, Bharati, Saraswati, Aranya, Parvat, Giri, Sagar. What other names are there? Van. 
and one other which I'm not remembering. Giri Aranya Van Parvati and one other. So the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas from Keshav Bharati. But he didn't accept this Bharati, sannyas name. If he's, if he's taking sannyas from a Bharati, he should also become a Bharati. But he didn't. He didn't accept the Mayavad name. He didn't accept the Mayavad concept. He accepted the sannyas name, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. He is Krishna consciousness. Chaitanya is also common, it's a word liked by the Mayavadis, although they don't know that real Chaitanya means Krishna Chaitanya. So, Chaitanya is the Brahmachari name, or one of the Brahmachari names of those who are Brahmacharis under the Bharati Sannyasi. So by taking the name Chaitanya, he also showed that one should not parade oneself as a sannyasi, but one should always remain the servant of his guru. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas to cultivate and distribute loving feelings. His sannyas was not to renounce the world, but to embrace the world. And bring everyone to Krishna. His sannyas was to become not not to withdraw from the world, but to give to the world. This this is called udar. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is known as Mahavadanya Avatar. Srila Rupa Goswami <coughs> praised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Namo Mahavadanyaya. Krishna Prema Pradayate, Krishnaya, Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gora Namaha. He offered his respects to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I offer my respects to he who is the most magnanimous, Mahavadanya. Because he is the great giver of love of Krishna. He is Krishna and he is known as Krishna Chaitanya. And although he's Krishna, his bodily luster is golden, gora. So this giving to others. Sannyasi is withdrawn from the world in as much as he doesn't participate in its sense gratification. He doesn't participate in the whole way of thinking of the world. Everyone in the world is thinking in terms of I, me and mine. But that is for very small-minded people. And a sannyasi is supposed to be higher level of consciousness. So, ayam nijaf paro veti ganara laghu Udara charitanam tu vasudhaiva One who is of very small consciousness thinks in terms of I, me and mine. This is mine, that's someone else's. I'm American, damn the Arabs, kill them all. Or, some, or I'm an Arab, kill the Americans. This is small mindedness. But one who is of 
broad, broad thinking, real broad-mindedness, means to see the whole world is my family. I work hard to look after my family. Sanyasi gives up the, the meaning of sanyas, no family life. But he sees the whole, not that he rejects all relationships, but he sees everyone as his family. No, there's no distinction. This is my son, therefore I look after him. This is someone else's son, so I reject them. What's that they, they say in Bengal? There's some saying, this is, this is my father's sister, so I look after this is my my mother's sister, so I kick them. Something like that, what's that? <laughs> if it's on the father's side, you accept If it's on the mother's side, I have nothing to do with them. You don't know. This is Choto Loke Kata. We were just discussing. Small-minded. So, even Shankaracharya had this conception he wrote about this in his Vivek Churamani, which is favorite book of the Mayavadi. Don't read it. It won't help you to become Krishna conscious. Vasantava Loka Hitam Charantaha. That sadhus, they are. Uh, fresh like spring and they move within the world to benefit others. They try to uplift others. Of course the Mayavad philosophy has so many internal inconsistencies. If, if everything is one then how can one person help another person? All these arguments Prabhupada gave against Mayava, just like if one, if everything, if if everything is all one, then if one person gets liberated, everyone should get liberated. So all these discrepancies, the, the logical discrepancies, Prabhupada didn't make them up, but they're already pointed out generations ago. In uh, this Vadi Raj, he he made this the refutation of Mayavad, taking all their arguments to the logical conclusion. Doesn't make any, none of them make any sense. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas, it's actually got nothing to do with Atma Dharma. The, the, the soul is not a sannyasi or a, or a grihasta or a brahmana or any such thing. But this, this sense of leaving behind all material relationships to cultivate genuine spiritual relationships. Mukunda seva. This was the purpose of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas. His sannyas was as ordained in the Srimad Bhagavatam. In ancient times, 
the Avanti Brahmana. He took sannyas, uh, saying, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quoted after taking sannyas, Etansa asthaya paratmanishtam adhyasitam purvatamai mahadhi aham tarishami duranta paramta momakandangri nishevayayava that I have taken sannyas for the purpose of Mukunda Seva. One takes sannyas, the Mayavadis take sannyas so they can become liberated from this material world. But the devotee takes sannyas to serve Mukunda, who is the giver of liberation. They're not so much interested in begging from Mukunda, which means the giver of liberation, that you give me liberation, but they want to serve him. And they're confident that by doing so, they shall cross over this ocean of birth and death. As many others in the past have done so by accepting this path of sannyas. So real sannyas means tridandi. Three sticks. Sannyasi has three sticks bound together which symbolize the mind, the body and the words which are all dedicated in the service of Krishna. So if one does that, whichever ashram one may be in, he is a sannyasi. However, one who withdraws from even the... Grihastra can be a sannyasi if he's fully dedicated to Krishna, but... It's difficult to be free of that feeling, I am I am the father of this family, I am the protector. In fact, to be a Grihastha, one has to at least superficially have such a mood, otherwise one cannot discharge one's duties as a household. But at the same time, if, if one is not fully seeing that this situation is temporary, and I, I have no more intrinsic relationship with the jiva who is called my wife or the jiva who is called my son than with any other jiva. Because it's very difficult to see that because of the nature of material attachment. Then a Vaishnav may also accept sannyas and particularly for the purpose of preaching Krishna consciousness. But a Vaishnav sannyasi his preaching Krishna conscious doesn't mean to become hard-hearted like the Mayavadis. Becomes callous, yes, to material attraction. But at the same time is the most soft-hearted because he sees everyone is suffering for lack of knowledge of Krishna and tries to give Krishna to everyone. And that's how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas. He uh, appreciated his householder followers, how they were practicing Krishna consciousness. And he encouraged them that, oh, you're having a son. He's this Shivananda saint one of his prominent followers, household. His wife was expecting. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in the days before son sonography, said, 
this will be a son and you give him this name, Puridas. So he didn't involve very much with their family affairs. When people, there was an incident, one of his followers was about to be executed by the king for some corrupt activities. It's described in Chaitanya Charitama. He was actually corrupt. He was a great devotee, pure devotee, but he was corrupt. We're not encouraging devotees to be corrupt, but it's described there. It, he had misappropriated some of the money of the king. So he was about to be executed by being thrown onto the changa, which is a, a kind of, it's a horrible method of execution where one is raised on a platform and thrown onto spikes and then you just land on the spikes and if you're lucky you die immediately. Otherwise you might just lie there for some time and gradually and slowly die in great pain. So he was about to be executed for his... I mean, it wasn't two-rupee corruption. It was it was pretty serious corruption. So uh, they came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They kept on running to him and saying, Your devotee is about to be killed. and You should say something to the king. He'll listen to you. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Leave me alone. You know, if he's, the king's the king. And if, you know, if, the, if his citizen is corrupt, then... Well, that's his prerogative. So they kept on running to him and he said, look, if you come see me again, I'm, I'm going to leave you and you'll never see me again. So, But anyway, without saying anything, in the end, that devotee was safe from that situation. But the, the point there is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he didn't want to get involved in all the details of their household going on and this and that. He would come and take lunch and when they were in Puri they would all be living in the same area near to where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was staying that was called what's that called? Gora Bhat Nene no no that's where the devotees were staying Gora Bhatshai that's near to Gundicha is a long way the other side Gambhira is that Gor Bhatshai, that's, that's quite close to where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is staying. Nowadays you won't find it's all full of hotels, but, <laughs> but uh, at that time that was the residences of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's followers. So they would invite him and he would take prasad in their homes and he would dance and chant with them discuss Krishna with them. Very loving to them, but he didn't, as a sannyasi, he didn't get involved in their family affairs. So he was ideal in his sannyas, but not, but at the same time, not dry, full of love of Krishna. So this is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas. Knowledgeable also, not Murka Sanyasi. He was criticized as being an ignorant. He doesn't know Vedanta, but he knew, as he had discussed with Sarvabhoma, Bhattacharya and Puri, later he discussed with Prakashananda Saraswati and Kashi and convinced him on the basis of Vedanta that Krishna is the object of Vedanta. 
A true Vedantist is one who knows Krishna. And when one truly knows Vedanta, then he chants and dances in the streets, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does. So this is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's feelingful sannyas, his feelings for Krishna, feeling the whole world is not knowing Krishna. How can we bring Krishna to them? Therefore he took sannyas. One devotee was recently saying to me that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted sannyas to win the respect of the people so that he could, as an instrument for preaching to them. And in the modern age, people respect, well, especially for preaching to the to the more scholarly class, because those are the people who didn't accept him. So he said, in the modern age, the thing that which is respected is a PhD. So if we get a PhD, that's good for preaching. Well, yes and no, maybe. It's just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas, but in his own modified form. He accepted those practices of the sannyas ashram, which were favorable for cultivating Krishna consciousness. Uh, actually, the sannyas ashram is only meant for cultivating Krishna consciousness, but as it was understood by the Mayavadis, he accepted that, that not being involved in family affairs, living very austerely, which can be favorable for Krishna consciousness, although not, not necessarily so. Too much excessive austerity, that's also not recommended in Krishna consciousness. It's, it's, Krishna consciousness is not a process of mortifying the body, as in the Christian conception. The, the idea that you make the body give pain to the body and somehow that's spiritual. But that's, that's not true. That's a misconception. But certainly austerity is part of sannyas life and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted that. Not becoming entangled in mundane relationships. So he accepted that. But he had his own uh, he, he, understanding of sannyas. That he didn't accept the Mayavadis dryness, their dry philosophy and their, their dry understanding. He accepted chanting and dancing and weeping for Krishna. So it could be accepted that one gets a PhD, although it's there are some similarities, but there are, there are differences also. One thing is, if one has to enter the mundane academic system, then one has to come under the tutelage of people who not only do they not accept Krishna as the absolute truth, but they don't accept that anything is the absolute truth. Everything is relative. Everything is discussable. There's, there's no, they don't believe that anyone has a monopoly on the truth, which means that they don't ultimately believe in any truth, in any truth, because they think that, the, that it's all just a matter of, it's relativism. So one has to, even to get one's PhD, or even long before that, one has to adopt their their language in speaking and writing, and one tends to adopt it in thinking also. If you if you talk and write in a certain way, and you you associate with people, 
then you tend to think in this in the way that they do. So it's it's a very dangerous path to enter. Chaitanya, and if one does practice Krishna consciousness, even as a PhD, then the other PhDs will criticize and reject that you're not a proper PhD. Just like the sannyasis, they criticized and rejected Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's not a proper sannyasi. He doesn't know how to live and act as a, as a proper sannyasi. So, even if one does get a PhD, if one comes straight out and says, uh, Krishna is the Supreme Lord, they'll reject. You're rejected from the academic community. <coughs> so, that that does command respect among scholars. And if one is as if one is empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he can uh, take that and use that. But if one is not, if if one adopts that the the mode of a Mayavadi or the mode of a of a mundane scholar and is not specifically favored by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if one has any other motive in doing so, then uh, it may be very dangerous. That's another topic. I was just wanted to discuss some points about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, which are instruct. There are so many instruction, instructive points. Shri Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur analyzed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes and gave. Uh, hundred and from his different pastimes, a hundred and eight. He analyzed a hundred and eight different pastimes and gave all the all the different instructive points that we can gain from them. So maybe sometime I'll go through those one hundred and eight. <laughs> but not now. Is there any question about this? What's the question? Anyone who wants to sign up can sign here. Those who want to take sannyas? <laughs> just sign here. Whenever we say that, the ladies become... They laugh also, but it's a nervous laugh. <laughs> they become afraid. And the men laugh. They say, oh, not me. <laughs> he can be a sannyasi, not me. Yeah, then... So for um, improving the operations of the temple, we are planning to implement some committees and teams to have our services in a very organized way, Maharaj. So I'd like to know if uh, the... Committees. Oh. And the temple. To do things in an organized way. So I'd like to know if there are um, you know, examples from Chaitanya Charitamrita where um, you would organize things or... Uh, when devotees organize things, well, we don't hear about any committees as such, but there must have been some organization. Um, One thing is like who was that? that? There was... Um, I was thinking of Shivananda saying, who is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Yeah, Vasudev Datta was a householder, uh, but... He, he wasn't much good at... What's that? I don't want to... Ask. 
No. But he was very liberal by nature and he never used to look after his family properly because whatever money he got, he would spend it immediately. Not on booze, but you know, he wasn't that like some people in the modern age. They, they Whatever money they get, they, they drink it and their family is left. But he would spend it, I don't know, it's not said, but maybe for serving Vaishnavas or whatever. So, Chaitanya Mahabhu put him, he said, you don't do yourself, you you, you operate under Shivananda saying, he should oversee your family affairs, because he's more practical. So, Shivananda saying was a very practical, organized person, and he would bring the devotees from Bengal, he would organize everything. And even Advaita Acharya and Nityananda Prabhu who were, who were higher in caste than him from the external point of view and who happened to be the Supreme Lord, they would accept his organization because he was good at it. Although Nityananda sometimes got angry when Shivananda Sain was unable to arrange his meals on time. And there are so many examples. The, uh, they would have kirtan groups. Where at Rathiyatra they would have different kirtan groups with different members. And one per, In one kirtan group, one person was appointed as the lead singer. Someone else was appointed as the lead dancer. So certainly organized. They, there must have been some discussion and organization. We don't read that about about that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, but it must have been there. There must be organization. In the spiritual world also, there are different groups assigned different duties. These gopis, they're making, they're collecting flowers and making garlands. And these gopis, they're fanning. And they're different groups. So it's all organized. has to be some organization. It's a normal thing. We shouldn't think that spontaneous bhakti means everything's chaotic. <laughs> that's that's not correct. Spontaneous bhakti means we have a natural desire to serve, and if the desire is there to serve, then we should want to do that in the best possible way, which means that we all have to cooperate together to do so. So spontaneous bhakti doesn't mean that I just do whatever I like, whenever I like, without consulting anyone. But rather, because we desire to serve Krishna in the best possible way, then knowing that we can't do everything by ourselves, then we cooperate with others who are also desirous to do so. And we discuss about the, the best possible way to do so and accept those who are better at organizing, then we can take guidance from them. We might, it might be that someone who gives spiritual guidance to one devotee accepts their guidance on another in 
on another field. Just like, for instance, uh, I might give some guidance to a disciple who, but if there's some new software I want to learn, he might show me how to do that. Because he knows and I don't know. So that's always there. No one's expert in everything. That's why many people coming together, good organization means to pool the talents and bring out the strengths of each individual so that as a group they work better. But if one thinks, well, I'll just do everything myself, then... That is a kind of impersonalism, actually. Because we fail to recognize that there are other persons who have to serve Krishna. If we think it's it's only me and my way or the highway, then we're not properly recognizing different servants of Krishna. Anything else? I have a question, bro. Um, how do you feel, uh, how do some people kind of like feel like they belong? That's like the benefits of this organization, any other organization, when they took sannyas, he said like it is to embrace the whole world. Right? But in the, in the very same country, in, in the very same state like Orissa, there are people who feel like they are not belonged. And they are easily like they, like they are vulnerable right now to get converted to any other religion, and and people are really exploiting the situation. So where is the mismatch? I mean, how What's the question? How come it's not circulating down to different levels of social structure? The love, the love, and the feeling of belonging. The love and the feeling of belonging are not are not vague. It's not just a feeling. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't just teach you feel. We were emphasizing today the sentiment. But there, if we love Krishna, there are certain things to be followed. We can't love Krishna and act in a way that is against the teachings of Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't personally write books, but he appointed his principal followers to do so. Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, the chief follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, wrote the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in which he gave the basic rules and regulations which devotees have to follow so they can actually be devotees. So if you follow those, then you can actually take to Bhakti. So Narisa people often have a general feeling for Jagannath. But without actual training in the principles, then they cannot understand what bhakti is. Unfortunately, people are exploited by people who neither know the actual principles of religion, nor do they wish to follow them. So if we want to benefit others, we have to preach the actual principles of Krishna consciousness. You say they're getting converted. Presumably you're talking about conversion to Christianity, which is rife in India at the present time. 
But what's actually going on is they're getting converted from one materialistic conception of religion to another. They didn't, as supposed Hindus, they didn't understand who is God and what is our relationship with Him. And they have, converting to Christianity, they have a supposedly clearer understanding. And uh, a license in the name of religion to perform more sinful activities, which is anyway being promoted in India, that everyone should be very materialistic. So Christianity is a very good religion. The so-called Christianity is a very good religion for materialistic people. Not only can you, but you're encouraged to eat meat and drink alcohol, which in actual Hinduism, for want of a better term, or a higher class of Hinduism is is not allowed or not encouraged. So, or in the higher level of what's called Hinduism, there is there are more rules and regulations and more uh, tendency towards austerity and renunciation. Whereas in Christianity, there's no such as it's presented in the modern age. There's no such thing. Just you believe in Jesus and and uh, take economic benefits from the church and uh, eat meat and fish and drink and be a Christian and go to heaven for an eternal for an eternal party of boozing and eating meat. I I don't know what their idea is. So the real thing has to be preached. The real thing is required. If you want to help, help. You can't do much to help the people of Arissa sitting here in America. You came here for material development, for money. If you want to do something active, you can go and preach Krishna consciousness in Arissa. First you have to understand what it is yourself. Or if you're not ready for that, you could at least give some of the money you've come here to earn for preaching Krishna consciousness in Orissa. You could, for instance, sponsor the purchase of so many Bhagavad Gita as it is in Oriya for free distribution. I could arrange it for you if you want. If you want to do something practical. It won't... Overtly, it may not seem to make any difference, but... This is the solution, is to give... Instead of, instead of trying to stop people going from one bogus religion to another, which is even more bogus, in other words, converting from so-called Hinduism to so-called Christianity, better give them the real thing, which is pure Krishna consciousness. But it's not so easy for people to take to that, because they have no idea of what is real religion. In an atmosphere where bogus religion is preached, the more bogus it is, the, the more appealing it is. So better give the real thing. What's the use of stopping people from being... They should, they should be bogus and not totally bogus. And what's the use? 
better come to the real platform. You're protesting they're being converted to Christianity. Why, why aren't you protesting against all these cheaters in the name of Hinduism? All this Sai Baba and Asharam Bapu. How many bogus people are there? Why don't they, the Hindus should protest against all this, all these bogus incarnations? I'm not protesting, though. My point is, like, where we see a disconnect, maybe they are, they are, seeing, they are embracing the same sect. When they are, they are embracing the people where we are not connecting with them. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Could you say it in simple English? Yeah. The thing is, like, you only said it. It's a different platform, a true Hindu who wouldn't eat meat and who wouldn't drink or What's considered a high-class Hinduism, it's generally considered they won't eat meat, they won't drink wine. That's considered... So there's, there's a disconnect with all the people who do that. Yeah. In Orissa, everyone, no one does that. Everyone's eating fish, at least. The Even the so-called Brahmins. Yeah, at the very same time, they are just being accepted as they 